The scripture reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 11, verses 16 through 19, and then 25 through 30. But to what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. May God bless the reading of his word. So, a couple of days ago, we celebrated the 4th of July, as Andrew pointed out, uh, the day when uh, the Declaration of Independence was signed in 1776. And you know, the, we kind of celebrate it like it was, it was a done deal at that point, that America was born... But really, uh, 1776 was a rough year, and nothing was really all that certain. There was a lot of turmoil going on. War had been raging with the British ever since Lexington and Concord in, in uh, April of the year prior, in 1775, when uh, shots were fired that began the Revolutionary War, and British troops were pouring into the Americas and had already taken over New York, and it wasn't certain... Who was on? Who was for independence and who was against it? And the, in fact, uh, uh, J. John, the the or uh, J. John J. I'm sorry, the guy from New York, the delegate, uh, kept abstaining because he wasn't sure where New York stood on any of the issues they were debating in the Continental Congress. Continental Congress had had uh, called itself together in secret in Philadelphia because they didn't want the British to know that they were meeting and had drawn up uh, this document trying to decide whether or not independence was something they should indeed go after. And poor George Washington was not, things weren't going well in the, in the war. Uh, he was in a panic because the enlistments of most of the army was about to expire and everyone was packing up and getting ready to go home. So he was concerned about that. Not to mention provisions were running low and there was little money to pay anybody, let alone the soldiers. And Washington sent letter after letter begging the Continental Congress for more resources. And as I said, people were, were not of one mind about this. Folks were kind of on the fence, not sure, should I... Should we be for independence or should we be loyal to the crown? And in fact, Benjamin Franklin went to his grave unreconciled with his oldest son because his oldest son 
favored staying with the loyal to the crown, and it became a wedge between them that was never removed. And Benjamin Franklin died not speaking to his son over this issue. Never forgave him for that. And even after the Declaration of Independence was ratified, and the resolve of many of the colonies was lackluster at best. And when things seemed to be at a breaking point as winter set in and, and the army was, had not really won any battle, they spent a lot of time retreating, uh, strategically retreating in order to save their numbers. And uh, in December of that year, Thomas Paine, one of my favorite founding fathers, took pen in hand and wrote, it's purported on the top of a drum outside of his tent in uh, wherever he was, wrote a a pamphlet called The American Crisis. And he wrote these words, These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will, in this crisis, shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us, that the harder the conflict the more glorious the triumph. What we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives everything its value. Heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its goods. And it will be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly rated. In our text today, we can kind of hear a similar tone on the lips of Jesus in Matthew's Gospel, who is reflecting in his writings the struggles of the fledgling Christian community. Here, Matthew is dealing with the lackluster resolve of his community. Are we going to be followers of Christ? They're starting to wonder because a couple of things have started happening. First of all, their parents and grandparents were kind of mad at him because They were annoying the synagogues with all this Jesus talk. In fact, to the point that some people were starting to say, you know what, why don't you take all this Jesus stuff somewhere else? If you're going to talk about Jesus, uh, you're not very welcome here at the synagogue anymore. And so there was all this tension around their home church, the synagogue, and their families. And so they were starting to wonder, is it really worth it to go chasing after this Messiah Uh, if it's going to cost me my family. The other issue was that they had been told early on Jesus was coming back. And it was starting to, you know, this was probably some 40 years later, people were starting to die and Jesus hadn't come yet. And they were starting to wonder, what's going on here? Are you sure? Maybe Jesus isn't coming back. Maybe this is all a bunch of hooey. And I'm not sure whether I should be in this category or not. And then, of course, Matthew and And his community felt a lot of resolve that they were indeed following the chosen, the anointed Messiah of God, the Christ. And there was important reasons to follow that Savior. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not mourn, says Matthew's Gospel. We reached out to you and, and you didn't respond in a way that we had hoped. And you called John demon-possessed and then you called me a drunkard, Jesus says. Uh, you know, which is it? You can't have it both ways. 
I get the feeling Matthew is very frustrated with his church as he emphasizes the sayings of Christ, saying, you also do not dance when we play the flute and you're you're, you can't. You seem to nitpick at the little things. I got to say, as a as a person who's been in church ministry for a lot of years, I kind of I kind of relate to Matthew's feelings sometimes <laughs> about how the church goes. Often it can seem that that we here at First Baptist play the flute, and not very many people are dancing. Now I'm not one who gets too discouraged when things like attendance are low or when the collection plate is low but it often makes me wonder why being here so it seems so optional and it leads me to think that you know don't get me wrong i'm not trying to sound whiny or give people a guilt trip although i I gotta say i'm not above giving you a guilt trip in order to get you to come to church everyone knows that right but uh, i'm not trying to do that today but i'm left to assume that the church isn't doing what it promised when people choose to not be here. And i got to say that the church in general, the church universal, seems to be leaving people wanton. Uh, our, uh, people are leaving church and faith in droves these days. And it only leads me to believe that somehow we have not fulfilled a promise that was made to be relevant, to be important, to, do, to answer this call, to come to Me, as Jesus said, all you that are weary and are carrying heaven burdens, heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I have to assume that the church has not given people the rest Jesus promised. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Gentle and humble in heart. I dare say that the church has not seemed gentle or humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I know that often people have felt like the church has not been a light burden to carry around, but a heavy one. Our generation, this generation, has a lot, a long list of of things that are wrong with the church. And i got to say, I myself have quite a long list as well. But it is this very thing that has put the Christian church in a crisis. And if Thomas Paine were a Christian and were here today, he would write the Christian crisis and write something similar to what he wrote about the American Revolution. And we're really standing at a crossroads because I think, I think you can tell that, that people are wondering, people are searching, people are, are looking, and people are leaving and going, you know what, this just isn't doing it for me. And again, I have to come back to the, to the question of, have we lightened the load? Have we made the burden easy? Have we lifted off that yoke and replaced it with something that comes from Christ. It takes a lot. It takes a lot. In fact, I dare say it takes all of us to make the ministry of this church, the ministry that we have been called to do, the things that God has laid in our lap, it takes all of us 
to make that happen. I want, I want to share personally myself when it feel when we are doing what God has called us to do, when I'm here, it never feels like a burden. It feels like I'm walking on air. Because the Spirit of God is at work, and where the Spirit of God is at work, it is an amazing thing. And so I guess I wonder, what's going on when when we feel this weight and this burden and it's related to either the work we do at church or just the general feel we have about being here. I have to wonder. And I guess it, it comes back to, I think it goes, it, it, you know, I'm not trying to assign blame because I think there's plenty to go around. I've already listed some of the ways perhaps the church has not, and I don't mean this church specifically, but church in general, has not met the needs of the people looking and searching for something, some connection to the holy. But I also wonder how much responsibility comes back to ourselves to really seek out that calling, to really long to do the work of God, to really feel the sense of urgency that I feel when I plan out a worship service, when we do a mission project, or when we uh, plan a fellowship event, or when we reach out into this community. Do we really feel that sense of urgency out there? Do we really long for the people of this city? Because I can tell you this, that there is, there is no more of a time for Jesus than now. Amen? Now is a time that is desperately in need of what Jesus brings. Now is a time for the kingdom of God to be proclaimed, to be lived out, and to be heralded in in this poor and broken world that we live in. There is so much hopelessness There was so much pain. There was so much weight and burden out there. And it's our job to lift that and take it away. And to bring people into a new era. An era of freedom from that burden. Freedom from the burden of our sins. Freedom from the burden of guilt and shame. Freedom from carrying around the need to be perfect, freedom from being dragged around by our desire to, be, to have more and to, to be more and to look like we are more. There's a world full of hopelessness out there. And if we don't bring a light, and if we don't bring a Word, and if we don't bring the grace of Jesus Christ out to that hopeless world out there who's going to do it and it's my prayer that like Matthew who felt a sense of urgency who seemed to be crying in the words today I'm playing this beautiful music and nobody is dancing 
Are you not hearing this beautiful music? I'm playing the morning song and no one is wailing like you're supposed to. It's a cultural thing, but <laughs> when, the, when, the morning, you know, when the morning drum starts to play, you're supposed to wail a little bit. That way everyone knows you're in mourning. And we're debating the little things. John was a demon-possessed. Jesus was a drunkard and hung out with sinners. Who cares? God is love. Get on it. I know I sound like I'm scolding you. I'm really not. But I'm hearing in this text today, I'm hearing a sense of urgency and I can't help but feel that we have a calling that is urgent. And it's going to take all of us. In fact, it's going to take a lot more than we got here today to really let that light shine and to really call people to the hope they're longing for. For for a long time, I think, and in a lot of places, religion is the problem. But you know what? I am so tired of battling that issue. I'm so tired of having to heal the people that the rest of our brothers and sisters are hurting. Uh, it's time for us to get, get more offensive and get out there and start gathering up before they get hurt. <laughs> Amen? And calling them to the grace and the peace and the love and the right relationship with God. That's what righteousness is, is a right relationship with God that can be born out of a community such as this. This is my faith. This is how much faith I have in you. I think there is no one better equipped in the city of Salt Lake City than you, First Baptist Church. This is how much faith I have in you. I'm here because there is nobody better equipped than this church to bring light and life of Jesus Christ to this city. Amen? And I, but my problem is I think I'm the only one who knows it. <laughs> I think I have more faith in you than you do. It is my prayer today that you feel this burden. Jesus' burden. Not, not that stuff you lug in here. I know. We, call, we all come in. I got my crap that's why I'm hunched over. I got all my stuff hanging off my back. You have all your stuff hanging off your back. And Jesus said just this morning, lay that down. Lay that burden down. But you don't just walk away. Take what I'm giving you. And it's my prayer that you feel that sense of urgency. You feel that sense of call. You feel that burden for this wonderful city and its wonderful people who need you, who need you. And I promise you, it won't feel like a burden. You'll feel like dancing when the flute plays, my Lord. And so it's my prayer that you carry Jesus' burden with you this morning. The yoke that is easy and light. But take it with you. Be in prayer about what is it I need to be about? What is it? I, what does Jesus need from me in order that we might fulfill that vision, that calling that Jesus has for this wonderful church and its people? Let's pray. Loving God, on this day,
You have called us to lay our burdens down. More importantly, God, You have called us to go out and bring people in here that they might lay their burdens down as well. You have called us to be out relieving the burdens of those who have the least and who are longing for hope. The hope that we know only You can bring. Help us to answer that call with a joyous heart. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.